Hey everyone, welcome back to Mosaic Midweek, a series of videos designed to help you follow Jesus. Our hope, our desire is that we can help you take that next step as an apprentice of Jesus, helping you be with Jesus, helping you become like Jesus, and then helping you do the things that Jesus would do if he was walking in your shoes. Well, as a church, we are going through the Gospel of John, and this week we are in John chapter 1. So today, if you want to grab your Bible, grab your journal, and we're going to go into the second half of the chapter, uh, of chapter 1 of John. And uh, on Sunday, I covered the first half, and then this week we're going to cover the, the last half of that chapter. So let's dive in to the second half of John chapter 1. Book of John, chapter 1. Well, we're going to see that there once was this man named John. This guy lived out in the wilderness. He wore camel hair clothing cinched with a leather belt, ate grasshoppers dipped in honey. Talk about a weird diet. He yelled at religious people and called them snakes. Some of you guys are like, oh, I like this guy now. So let's open our Bibles to John, chapter 1. Well, the Gospel of John was written by a man named John, but not the guy who wore leather and camel hair and yelled at religious people. Different John. But John wrote about Jesus. And he starts his historical account here with this wild man also named John. Now, oftentimes he's called John the Baptist. Now, that's not like his full name. That's not his title. It's not like he's the patriarch of, of all Baptists, although, you know, he's not John the Lutheran. So, you know, us Baptists, we can kind of uh, lay claim to that a little bit. But no, 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 no. He really should be called John the Baptizer because that's what he did. He, he baptized people. So if you got your Bible, if you got your uh, scripture journal, let's read in John chapter 1, starting in verse 19. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now, they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. In the first century, of, of Palestine area of, of Israel that was under the Roman occupa uh, the occupation of, of, of Rome, the evil empire, the Jews expected a variety of different messianic figures. And the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem wanted John to categorize himself in relation to these hopes. They wanted to put him in a box. But what did John say? John says, no, I am not the long-awaited Messiah. I'm not Elijah, the great Old Testament prophet who never died but was carried off to heaven in a chariot of fire or any other great prophet. 
Uh, instead, John tells the religious leaders he's the forerunner of the Messiah and boldly suggests that his ministry is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophesy, prophecy by quoting Isaiah 40, verse 3. Now, John the Baptist, he's an interesting case study. See, he was immensely popular. And when that starts to happen, people start to wonder, hey, what's going on? And this, these religious leaders in Jerusalem wanted to know, why were all these people going out to see John? What's making him so attractive to people? Um, it surely wasn't his fashion sense, unless camel hair was that year's skinny jeans. But I don't think it was his fashion. I don't think it was anything about his appearance. And as Christ followers, we too have a unique identity that comes after we meet Christ. And that's what John the Baptist had. What was it? Well, it was a particular way of seeing himself and a particular way of seeing Christ. A particular way of seeing himself and a particular way of seeing Christ, which led him to be incredibly bold. He's very soft about himself, but he's very loud about Jesus. I love that. He doesn't shout, you know, about himself or even just how unworthy he is. Instead, he's quiet about himself, but he's using his platform to point to Jesus. And those that God has been able to use in big ways have always been people like John the Baptist who've had that kind of spirit and gifts and knowledge and general character. They've, they've often differed wildly. But one respect, they've all been alike. They've been clothed with humility, as 1 Peter 5, 5 says. Those who've been used by God, they haven't sought for honor for themselves or for the platform or the stage. They said, no, 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 I'm going to be quiet about myself. I'm going to be loud about Jesus. I'm going to be quiet about myself and loud about Jesus. They've thought little of themselves. They've been ever willing to decrease so that Christ might increase, to be nothing if Christ, so that Christ may be made much of. C.S. Lewis says it this way, that true humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. True humility is not thinking less of yourself, it is thinking of yourself less. Well, back in John's day and age, only a slave, the lowest of the Lord, uh, was someone who, that someone could demand or force to take off someone's sandals, because that was really disgusting and dirty. He walked around on these roads used by animals and people, and there was uh, animal excrement mixed with mud and just all kinds of gross stuff. And, and even a rabbi whose disciples followed him everywhere, a rabbi couldn't even order his disciples to take off his sandals. And by John saying, I'm not even worthy to take off Christ's sandals, John is saying, you know what? I'm actually lower than a slave. I'm lower than a slave. John is saying, I'm unworthy of all the attention I've been getting. I know what God thinks about myself, and I don't need to concern myself with myself. Instead, I can fix my eyes on Christ. Let's read on in verse 29. The next day, he saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. See, John saw Jesus for who he truly was. 
the Lamb of God who's going to take away the sins of the world, the chosen one, the Messiah, the one that they have been waiting for. And Jesus is not just a substitute, he's a voluntary substitute. Now, in Jesus' day and age, they had to make these sacrifices to be made right with God, that anytime someone messes up, that there's sin, that there's brokenness, someone has to bear that penalty. And so, the Jewish people, they would sacrifice doves and lambs and oxes and, and goats and to make things right. So why, out of all those, is Jesus called the Lamb of God, it takes away the sins of the world? Why not the goat? Why not the, uh, the bull? Well, a lamb doesn't kick or fight back. It lays down quietly and accepts its fate. In that same way, Jesus lays down his life for us. You see, after centuries of religion and trying to measure up, John knew that what the Jews needed wasn't just another animal sacrifice. They needed the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world once and for all so that humanity could be made right with God. And the Jews couldn't save themselves. And you and I, we can't save ourselves no matter how hard we try. See, Jesus came to save us. Jesus came to save you. Jesus came to save me. When God looked down and saw us in our condition, he realized they don't need just a life coach or a silent partner or an accountant or someone who can get them on track or give them some good advice. It's much, much worse than that. They need a savior, someone to bail them out of the mess that they are in. And see, folks, if we've never come to grips that we actually need a savior, then it's kind of a, a big yawn or a nuisance. But we don't just need a little help or second chance. We need someone to rescue us. We underestimate our need for a savior because we don't fully realize the effects of sin. See, the reality is none of us, including me, can fully grasp it because I'm a sinner and you're a sinner and everyone we know is a sinner and, and everywhere we look, we, we, we meet people who are falling short of our, of our own expectations and God's expectations and this broken, sinful world is the only world that we've ever known. And so the reality is this world is far more broken than we can ever admit it. Politically, on the left and on the right and all sides, we look around and we see our leaders, our, our flawed, broken people, and, and, and we see that we're all just stumbling and trying our best, but we're, we're, we're making mistakes, we're messing up, and we are far more broken than we are willing to admit. And forget about just what the Bible says about that. Just look at our world. Look at the, the chaos and, and the craziness, and, and you see kids being kidnapped and, and, and you see uh, people dying from a lack of, of clean drinking water and you see wars and, and genocide and you realize that we don't need just some good advice. We need someone to save us. And that's when the arrival of a savior becomes great news. That when we really see the world as it is and how broken it is, we realize we need a savior. We need the Lamb of God to take away our sin, to make us right with God. But I'll be honest with you, the message of Jesus isn't for everyone. It, it's, it's not for everyone. The message of Jesus is for those who need help. The message of Jesus is for those with failed marriages who struggle to get past the hurt and resentment. The message of Jesus is for people with addictions who can't seem to break free of them and keep getting in this cycle of, of guilt and, and relapse. The message of Jesus is for parents who struggle to have patience with their kids. 
The message of Jesus is for people who done wrong and they know they need forgiveness. The message of Jesus is for people who've been sexually molested and abused. And because of that, they struggle to trust other people and they can't seem to break free from the haunting voices of shame in their heads. The message of Jesus is for people who struggle with worry and anxiety. It's for people who struggle with hopelessness and feel suicidal. People who cut themselves to feel alive. The message of Jesus is for young girls who star themselves so they can feel pretty. The message of Jesus is for those who are addicted to pornography. The message of Jesus is for the executive who is working so hard to prove that he has worth and value, values that he stays at work way more than he should and doesn't see his family. The reality is the message of Jesus is for each and every one of us because we are all flawed and broken in need of a savior. See, John the baptizer saw Jesus for who he really is the Lamb of God who came to pay the price that we could never pay. And his view of Christ affected his view of himself. He realized that he needed to let go of his need to, to focus on himself and instead make Jesus famous. When John realized who Jesus was and who he himself was, that's when God was able to use him for great and mighty purposes. I don't know where you're at, today. I don't know what your view of Jesus is. My guess is if you're watching this and you look around the world, you realize, man, we are so broken. This world is messed up and we don't need just some good advice or just a list of commandments. What we need is a savior. And that's what Jesus came. Jesus came to save us. That those of us who put our trust and hope in him, he gives us grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. And so I want to invite you to turn to Jesus, to let him carry your guilt and your shame to the cross, to nail it there once and for all so that you can live forgiven. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, to be like John and to, to whisper about ourselves and to shout about Christ, to be quiet about ourselves and loud about Jesus, to not say that it's all about our rights and what we need. No, what's about Jesus? How do we be like Jesus and love our neighbors to show grace upon grace? How do we be like John the baptizer who said, it's not about me, it's about Christ and I'm going to point to him and my whole life is going to be about pointing to Jesus. This week, may you know that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away all our sins. And because of that, it's done. We can put our hope and trust in him and our guilt, our shame can be washed away forever. And like John the Baptist, we can choose to be quiet about ourselves, to decrease so that Christ may increase. Let's be quiet about ourselves and loud about Jesus, the good news, the savior who came to save us, who came to restore this broken world back to the way it was meant to be. May you be light and hope wherever you are to reflect Jesus and to be loud about Jesus this week. Have a great week.